Welcome and thank you for joining us at Christian International Ministries. Our vision is to help you hear God's voice to change your world. For more information about this and other resources, please visit www.christianinternational.com. But sometimes what we need to do is we need to stop and say, Lord, I thank you for my family. God, I thank you for my salvation. God, I thank you for my health. God, I thank you for this nation. As crazy as it is, Lord, I thank you. There's no other nation I'd want to live in. Come on. We need to stop and thank the Lord and be grateful to him for all the wonderful, bountiful blessings that he's already given to us. Can we just clap our hands to him and just tell him one more time, just thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor again and just say, I want to see you blessed so you can be a blessing. As we are uh, coming into this series, and today is, of course, Palm Sunday, I want to, you know, I think that it's really, really interesting that when I, when I was lo- reading the scriptures, this is a scripture that I found that I thought was so very important when we're talking about being blessed to be a blessing. It's in Acts chapter 3, verse 26, and it says, God, having raised up his son, sent him to bless you. God sent Jesus to bless you as you turn one by one from your evil ways. We've got to tag on that part. How many understand that he, he sent Jesus to bless us, but that there is a blessing that comes when we turn away from our ways and turn to his ways. When we turn away from evil, when we turn away from wickedness, and we begin to turn towards Jesus, then we begin to really understand what the fullness of blessing is. Jesus didn't just come to heal our bodies. Jesus didn't just come to make the provision of heaven available to us. Jesus came to forgive us of our sin that separated us from God. And in doing so, he caused us to enter in and be a very blessed people. Do we understand, church, that the wages of sin is death? Do we understand that the wages, the price that should be paid for every sin, every evil, every wickedness, every infraction that we have committed, that the price for that is eternal death? But God so loved the world... That means he loved you and I, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not have to suffer spiritual or eternal death, but could have eternal life. Come on, guys. We could just put a period right there and say, Lord, it is enough. There are people all over this world that receive Jesus as their Savior. And when they are baptized into the faith of believing God, do you know that then their name goes on a list for assassination? How casual do we handle our Christianity? How casually do we handle the blessings of God? Come on, guys, we are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. Jesus came to save us from our sin. He came to remove that wall of separation between us and God so that we could enter in and have eternal life. And guess what? Your eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Your eternal life began the day that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your eternal life began the day that you repented of your sin and you turned towards him and you you received that washing away. We are living in eternal life now. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to get better and better and better and better the more that we get the revelation of what it is that Jesus did for us. The more that we get the revelation of this freedom that we were singing about today. Come on, freedom isn't just a word. Freedom is a lifestyle. We choose to be free every single day. We choose into freedom every single day. We cast off the old man. We cast off the old ways. This is the gospel, guys. 
in all of our search to see Jesus made real in our lives, we need to always understand it starts there. Being blessed starts there. God sent his son Jesus to bless us as we turn one by one from our evil ways. We're going to talk about this blessing. I want to read from 1 Chronicles chapter 4. This is a scripture that my husband has been preaching on for the last several weeks. If you could put that, that screen up for me. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Over the last couple of weeks, my husband's been preaching out this scripture, and it kind of became very popularized, this particular passage, um, back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when a man named Bruce Wilkerson wrote a book about this passage of scripture. And uh, as my husband started preaching on it, um, he, he began to, to focus in on several different aspects of it today. And I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about being blessed to be a blessing. But let's read this together. It says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Thank you, Mom. And Jabez called on the name of the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Listen. So God granted him what he requested. God granted him what he requested. Just for that little phrase, we need to understand what this prayer is says. Amen. It's my, the first week my husband preached on the fact that Jabez was an honorable man. He was more honorable than his brothers. And my, and apostle Tom spoke about us living in and creating a culture of honor where we learn to honor the Lord. How many understand we, we need to honor God in everything that we do. We need to honor God even for little blessings, the little things that God does for us, as well as the big blessings. We need to honor those that God has put in our lives. We need to honor our bosses. We need to honor our family. We need to honor uh, our spiritual leaders. We need to have a culture of honor within our lives. All you have to do is turn on the television for 30 seconds today, and you see that there has been a deterioration in the culture of honor. Um, my daughter, Crystal, posted on Facebook a, uh, a picture of the debate between um, Ronald Reagan and uh, George H.W. Bush. Did you, did you guys see that? They were like trying to out-honor each other. Instead of tearing each other down, they were like being even more and more, who could be more respectful? <laughs> How far have we come? How far have we deteriorated? God wants the church to be a counterculture. We are not just supposed to be a subculture. Understand this. A subculture is a culture within the culture. The church is called to actually be a counterculture. That means a, a, a culture that goes against the way that culture is operating. Now, I understand that there's a big push on being culturally relevant, but how many understand that if you read your Bible, you begin to understand that if, if you're going to stand up and say, I believe the Word of God is true and I'm going to stand for biblical truth and biblical values, then your values, your culture is actually going to go against the culture of the world. But we need to speak honorably towards one another. We need to speak respectfully towards one another. Do you know I looked this word honorable up? And it actually is the word kabod. In Hebrew, do you know what the word kabod is? It's the word for glory. It's the word for a weightiness, a heaviness of the presence of the Lord. And so as this man was an honorable man, he also was more full of glory. How many want to be more full of glory? Come on, how many want to be carriers of the glory of God? Then last week, uh, Apostle Tom talked about how we do not need to live in a victim mentality dictated to by all of our past pains and past problems that would put limitations on us for who we could be. How many believe that is the gospel message? How many believe that wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever you've lived through, 
Whatever you've endured at the hands of others, whatever you've endured at your own hand, <laughs> the beautiful message of the gospel is that Jesus sets us free from every single one of those things. Jesus sets us free. Now listen, <laughs> Jabez had a mama that apparently he must have caused her a lot of problems in childbirth or something. We don't really know what was behind that, but it says she had pain in bearing him, so she called him pain. Now, I know that some of you parents have said to your children, you're a pain, or your parents have said that to you. But let me tell you, it's actually worse than that. The word didn't just mean pain. It meant grief. It meant sorrow. It meant misery. Literally translated in the Hebrew, Jabez means sorrow maker. <laughs> How many understand that's the decree the enemy wants to say over your life? He wants to decree a constant cycle of grief. He wants to put you in a constant cycle of sorrow. But we are in a dispensation of grace. We are in a dispensation prophetically where God said, I'm going to turn your mourning into dancing. I'm going to turn your sorrow into joy. Come on, I'm going to turn your pain into a promise. I'm going to turn your grief into greatness. God wants to turn things around for us. And I believe that as we study the life of Jabez, we understand that that's exactly what God did. He started out being called pain by his mother. But later on, you actually find out that there's an entire city that's named after this man. Just a couple chapters earlier, 1 Chronicles chapter 2 talks about the city of Jabez, which was named for Jabez. And it was a city of scribes, a city of scholars. This man entered into the blessings of the Lord. And in being blessed, he created an atmosphere that other people could be blessed. See, your blessing is not just about you. Every blessing that you receive from God, if you start getting the revelation of the salvation that comes through Jesus, then that revelation should set you free, but then God should use you to set other people free. Come on, if you get a revelation that Jesus is in fact a healer today, and you start partaking of that healing power, how many understand God wants to extend that blessing beyond just you experiencing a blessing and so that you can then in turn be a blessing? Not just being healed, but being a healer. Come on, when God blesses you financially, it's not just so that you can be blessed and it's not just so that you should give. But it's so that you should create an atmosphere and an expectation for everybody that's around you that if God would bless me, he'll also bless you. If God will do this for me, he'll do this for you. If God can give us revelation, if God can give us insight, if God can speak to us in prophetic dreams and visions, come on, all of this is made available and God doesn't want to just bless me. He wants to bless you. And that should be our testimony. This morning, Carol Kingsmore came to me. She gave me a testimony. She said that, I think it was a week before last, you were walking on the beach and she fell. She fractured her ankle. Is that right? She fractured her ankle. She actually has been walking in quite a bit of pain. Right? But this morning, when everybody started dancing and declaring, when I move my body, when I move my feet, she stepped out in faith onto a fractured ankle and started dancing, and all the pain is now gone from her ankle, and it's completely healed. Come on, when we receive a blessing from the Lord, then we can turn around, and we can extend that blessing to other people. This, too, is Christianity. Freely you have received. Freely give. Isn't that what Jesus said? And so we have to understand that as we look at this prayer, this prayer of Jabez, we have to understand that, that this was a prayer that was smack dab in the middle of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Now, sometimes I encourage you to read the whole chapter, and you will be bored. I hate to say that about a chapter in the Word of God, but basically what this is, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, 
is 600 names of genealogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one begat, this one begat, that one begat, this one begat, that one. And we can't even say the names. <laughs> but smack dab in the middle of this genealogy of 600 names is this passage. Now, Jabez was more honorable than all of his brothers. And his mother called him Jabez because she called, caused him pain, misery, grief. And Jabez called on the name of the God of Israel. How many understand no matter what circumstance you are in, no matter what the enemies decreed against your life, no matter what seems to be written over you as a limitation, when we call on the name of the God of Israel, God can turn it around. He cried out and he said, Lord, that you will bless me indeed. That you'll expand my territory. That your hand will be upon me. And that you'll keep me from evil so that I will not cause pain. I want you to understand this prayer is very personal to me. Because 20-something years ago, when I first started traveling in the ministry, um, it, was, it was exciting. It was thrilling. I was blessed that the Lord would allow me to do that. But let me say, I had to leave my family. I had to leave my husband, and I actually like my husband. I had to leave my kids, and I had the most wonderful kids in the whole world. Seriously, I had great kids, and I had to leave them. And, and every single time I got on a plane, it broke my heart. You can ask my husband. Sometimes I would cry all the way to the airport. But I knew it was what God was calling me to do. And so when I would get on that airplane, I would adjust my attitude, and I would pray this prayer. God, that you would bless me indeed, that you would expand my territory, that you would keep your hand on me and keep me from evil so that I don't cause pain. I would pray this prayer over and over again. Why? Because I didn't want what I was doing to just, to just be for nothing. I wanted to impact lives for the kingdom of God. I wanted to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But out of my place of pain, I had to cry out to the Lord and say, God, you've got a higher purpose. You've got a greater purpose. Now, let me just say, um, my husband would always try to help me on the way. He would say, honey, I'm fine. This is what God's called you to do. I'm fine. God gives us grace. The kids are fine. Really, honey, it's just going to be a couple days. The kids are fine. And it would make me cry more. And I'd say, you don't need me. None of you need me. My husband's like, okay, I can't win. There's nothing I can do to win here, okay? <laughs> but I think, I think that he finally under, began to understand what I needed to understand is that I just wanted him to know this was hard. This was, a, this was challenging. But out of that place of pain, God, I was, I was saying, God, I want your purpose to be manifested. Lord, I want you to bless me, but beyond that, God, I want to see your kingdom extended, your kingdom expanded. And so I would pray this prayer, and God gave me grace, and God gave me peace, and I would say, God granted me what I requested. Really, God granted me what I requested. It doesn't mean that I don't still pray this prayer and believe for more. Everybody say more. More, when you're talking about things of God, is not greedy. Come on, if you're talking about the things of God, when you say, I want more, it is not greedy. Yeah. Lord, that you would bless me indeed. Not bless me a little bit, but God, that you would really, really bless me. Let's look at these places. Let's look at these, these little points, okay? To bless means to receive divine favor and an abundance of good things. How, how many say, I want more? Look, look at this. When, you see, Jabez was, was raised during the time of the judges. And during the time of the judges, they were constantly rehearsing the story of the patriarchs, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And listen to what God spoke to Abram, Abram before he became Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. This is what God himself said to Abraham. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Come on. God says, I want to bless you, 
and I want to make your name great. Here's the problem. We start shrinking back and we start saying, no, Lord, don't make my name great. Make your name great. But do you realize that God himself said to Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. And as I make your name great, then you can make my name great. As I bless you, you can be a better blessing. You can be a greater blessing. Understand, when I'm talking about blessing, I am not just talking about money, guys. I'm talking about every aspect of the blessings of the Lord coming upon our lives. I'm talking about favor. I'm talking about opportunity. I'm talking about uh, an abundance of good things. Let me tell you, it is God's nature and God's desire to bless you. Let me say that again. It is God's nature and it is God's desire to bless you. It is God's nature and God's desire to heal you. It is God's nature and God's desire to provide for you. It is God's nature and God's desire to open doors for you. It is God's nature and desire to bless you with favor and every good thing. It is his nature to declare, I want to bless you. I want to make your name great so that you can be a blessing. That is his nature. That is his desire. You know why I keep saying that? Because some of you came up in the church like I did with a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality is not about money. Poverty mentality is about how much you think you deserve to be blessed or not. And I had a poverty mentality. And every time God would bless me, I would give it away. I thought I was so holy. Every time God would bless me, I would sow it into somebody else. But do you know the principle of sowing and reaping? How many understand that when you give, God gives back to you? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Running over. Shall men give to you? So why am I saying it's God's nature to bless you? Because sometimes we don't think that God really, really wants to bless us. Now, let me just give you an analogy in a, uh, in a natural way. Now, I believe that God could bless me with revelation. I didn't have any problem with that. I could take that. Okay? But somehow I had a problem with God blessing me with things. Now, we're not going to get materialistic and we're not going to get greedy. But let me just say, it is God's nature... And God's desire to bless you. Okay, some of you need to actually say that with me. Say, it is God's nature and it is God's desire to bless me. Do you know what? My husband loves me. He does. And do you know what? It is his nature and his desire out of that love to bless me. Matter of fact, I have one of those rare husbands that liked to buy me jewelry. And I would actually have to say to him, stop buying me jewelry. How many of you women wish that you had a husband? No, don't raise your hand. Okay. All right. Get some people in trouble here. Okay. I had to just say, honey, stop buying me jewelry. I don't need any more jewelry. It's, it's good. Well, I'm good. Thank you very much. But I remember when we were first starting out as, as young pastors, I, I had, uh, my husband had saved up his money and he bought me a, a ring. Just, it was just a little ring. Little, it had some rubies and some little diamonds in it. And it wasn't real expensive, but I really, really loved that ring because it came from my husband, who I really, really love. And one day, we were sitting in a conference over down at Sandestin, and as I confess to you, I struggled with a poverty mentality. Um, but the Lord spoke to me, but, I'm, but I've always been very obedient. And so I, 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 asked, I was worshiping the Lord, and I saw this pastor... Um, that was across the way, a pastor's wife across the way, and I knew they had been going through some really, really hard, hard times in their personal life and really, really hard times in their church. And I just felt like the Lord said to me, I want you to take that ring off and go over and give it to her just to say this is just a sign of covenant that the Lord is with you and just a sign of his love towards you. And so the first thing I needed to do is I needed to ask my husband because he gave me the ring. And so I said, honey, I felt like the Lord 
asked me to do this, would you mind? And he said, honey, if that's what the Lord asked you to do, then you need to do it. And so I took the ring off my hand, and I kind of made my way out the back doors and went around and kind of snuck up and, and just kind of sat down next to this, this pastor's wife. And I began to share with her what the Lord had said to me and about um, how he wanted to give it to her as a sign and a symbol of his covenant and of his love towards her. And she started to weep, and she said, oh, I can't take this from you. And I said, no, this is really, it's really from the Lord. I know it was mine, but it's really from the Lord. And so I gave it to her. I, I've never had a problem giving, even when I was, we were bound with poverty and all these horrible mindsets that were wrong. I, I understood that, that whatever I had belonged to the Lord. And so I gave it to this, this woman, and then I went and I snuck back out the back doors to make my way back around to, to come up to where we were sitting. And before I made, before I got it out, got out the door, now I'd not done this in front of anybody, but before I got out the door, a woman that I didn't know walked up to me with a ring in her hand, and she said, the Lord told me to give this to you as a sign of his covenant and his love for you. When I walked out the back door, another lady was standing there waiting for me, and she said, I saw you come in here, and I have this ring for you that the Lord says I want to give to you as a sign of my love and my covenant for you. To make a very long story short, before I went from there all the way back around to the front of the thing, I had been given seven rings. I have subsequently given all those seven rings away. But I I tell that story to say this. It is God's nature and God's desire to bless us. And God went to an extravagant level to show me that anything I give in his name and anything that I give and and let go of in his name, he is very faithful to cause to come back. And he's faithful to bless me because he wants to bless me because he loves me. He wants to bless me with healing. He wants to bless me with strong, healthy children and healthy grandchildren. He wants to bless me with influence. He wants to bless, come on guys, he wants to bless us. In his heart, is his heart desire to bless us. And you know what? When God blessed me, it enabled me to then turn around and be a blessing again. But there came a point that the Lord said to me one day, he said, you know what? I didn't tell you to give that away. He said, that's for you. But I think that we need to handle everything that God gives us with very loose hands. Because we are stewards, after all, of everything that he gives to us. God said, to, God said to, to, to Abraham, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I'll make you a blessing. Uh, Jabez also remembered the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel. He was wrestling with the angel. And, he's, and, and the angel said, let me go because the day is breaking. And, and Jacob said back to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. Listen, the angel was there to bless him. He was there to bless him. But God didn't mind putting him in a position where he had to contend for that blessing. God didn't mind putting him in a place where he had to wrestle with him and say, guess what? I want you to press in to everything that I have for you. James chapter 4 says, you have not because you ask not. So guess what Jabez did? He asked, he said, oh God, that you would bless me indeed. Some of you are wondering why you're not blessed. Have you asked God to bless you? Have you actually said the word, oh God, that you would bless me indeed? It is not greed to ask God to bless you. It is a key that is unlocking his heart towards you. Now listen, last week, we had a wonderful, phenomenal time of worship. And I want to tell you that the Friday before, we were, I was in daily prayer here or in, the, in the Elisha room. And as I was walking back and forth, I heard the Lord say, set the time. Set the time. <laughs> so what would you do? I looked at my watch. I looked at my watch, then I looked at the clock on the wall, and I realized the clock on the wall was running about five minutes slow. I thought that was a strange revelation for God to give me that the clock on the wall was slow. Didn't really make sense to me, but I walked over and I adjusted the time. And the time on my watch said 8.47. And when I went to adjust the clock, 
in the middle of the face of the clock, it actually said established 1847. It kind of got my attention. And I looked at that 1847 and I looked at the 847 and I said, what meaneth this? I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say here, Lord. And then I thought about the word established and what God was trying to establish. And so I went through and I just began to look up in, the, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament if there's any passages that were from a book that was 847. I know that sounds super spiritual, okay? But in the whole Old Testament, there is only one scripture that has a reference 847. Only one out of the entire Old Testament, 847. It was in uh, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 47. And it's right in the middle of Solomon dedicating the temple and crying out to God and saying, God, if this nation goes astray, if this people falls into sin, if they will call on your name, if they will repent, God, you will turn it around and you will forgive them. Come on, I believe that we are in a time where God is asking the church to set the time for deliverance for a nation. I know that, there's a, that there is a phrase that we typically use, the set time. We see it in Psalms 102 verse 13 when it says that, that the Lord says to Zion, Arise for the set time of favor has come. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to ask that you need to uh, encourage the people to set the time in the midst of the set time. Set the time. I thought, well, what does that exactly mean? And then in the New Testament, the first, there's only two scriptures, but the first scripture that is the reference 847 is found in the book of Luke when the woman with the issue of blood was pressing through the crowd, and she laid hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And his disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? You're surrounded by a crowd of people. And he said, no, I felt dunamis. I felt power go out of me. And it says that the woman, let me read it to you because it's very interesting. I don't don't know if I have it. I don't have the actual scripture on on the overhead, but let me read it to you. It it says this, and when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, or another translation says that she was no longer hidden, she came up trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people for what reason she had touched him and how she had been instantly cured. And as I shared this with the group that day, and I was talking about set the time and what does this mean, Apostle Gail said, that woman set the time for her healing. Come on, Jesus didn't set that time. Jesus was like, who touched me? What just happened here? Come on, that woman set the time. Remember the story about the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus walked 50 miles out of his way, and the only encounter he had was with this non-Jewish woman that came asking Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus kind of brushed her off and said, I'm not come except to the house of Israel. You don't take the bread off the master's table and feed it to a dog. He called her a dog. I don't know about you, but any culture, that's an offensive thing. Why in the world would sweet Jesus do that? She said, that's true, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. See, that's what Jesus was looking for. Jesus was looking for somebody that said, oh, that you had blessed me indeed. I am here to be blessed. You can try to tell me this isn't for me. You can try to tell me this is not for now, but I am here to get my blessing. And Jesus said, I haven't found such great faith in all of Israel. Then I was reminded about the mother of Jesus, Mary. It's interesting, these are all women, ladies. We're tough and stubborn, I guess that's what that means. I don't know. But do you realize the very first miracle Jesus did was because Mary set the time? Jesus turned water into wine. Remember it? They were at a wedding in Cana. And Jesus' mother, Mary, came to him and said, they've run out of wine. 
Jesus said, what does that have to do with me? Actually, he said, woman. What does that have to do with me? I told my son if he ever calls me woman, I brought him into this world, I can take him out. I can set his time, okay? Or I can set his clock or clock him or something. I don't know. He ever calls me woman, just don't try it, all right? But Jesus says to Mary, woman, what is that to do with me? My hour or my time has not yet come. And Mary just turned around to the servants and said, whatever he says to you, do it. In other words, she was saying, I don't care what you just said. Do what I said. I'm your mother and you will do what I said. Come on, Mary set the time. Come on, how many of us have been waiting on God when in all actuality, God has been waiting on us? Listen, Pastor Dean, several words came last week about God sinking us up. God bringing us sinking up. Listen, last October, Mahashavda said over this house, the set time of favor has come. The set time of favor on this house, the set time of favor over all of your houses. And what God's saying to us, and we heard it again today, is getting an alignment between what heaven's saying and what we're believing and what we're decreeing here on the earth. If God's already decreed favor, we don't need him to say it again. We just need to get into alignment and understand God is saying, it is the set time of favor, so set the time and see favor come. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. This is what Jesus died for. This is what Jesus conquered death for. So that we could enter into every blessing that that he had for us. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Put a demand on the anointing. It's not disrespectful. It's who God is. It's what Jesus is waiting for. Will you contend with me to see the blessing? Will you contend with me to see it come? Listen, when we get synced up, here's what happened. God said, set the time. We prayed about it in prayer. We came in, and in a time of worship, I just started, in my spirit, started rolling out the words, even now, Lord, even now, do it now, even now, Lord, even now, Lord. And that right as I'm over here saying that with my mouth open, declaring that to the Lord, Pastor Dean's up here saying, right now, Lord, right now, right now, Lord, do it now, right now, Lord, right now, Lord. You know what was happening? Is we were sinking up to what heaven had decreed. We need to start sinking up to what heaven has decreed. John G. Lake said this, famous healer. He said, if the spirit doesn't move me, then I move the spirit. Now, that sounds almost sacrilegious. But we need to understand that a lot of times we're waiting for some set time out there a point in time for our healing, something that's way out there in the future. And God is saying, set the time. Get yourself aligned. Sync up to what my word has to say. Sync up to what has been prophetically decreed. Start seeing divine reversal. Some of you are still waiting to see divine reversals, but are you decreeing it? Are you speaking it? Are you crying out for it? William Booth said, many people are praying for a move of God. I am a move of God. I can just feel religious spirits going. (sighs) Look at your neighbor and say, you are a move of God. What does that mean? That means if God's going to move, he's going to use you to do it. I want you to say, I want to be blessed so I can be a blessing. I want to be blessed so I can bless others. I want to be blessed so I can extend and expand the kingdom. You mean it? Second part of this this prayer, enlarge my territory. What does this mean? It means take the limits off. Enlarge my territory. Give me greater influence. 
Let me be a person whose life makes a difference. I don't want to get to the end of this life and feel like I never lived. I don't want to get to the end of this life and be able to look back and say, what in the world good did I do? We should be passionate about the pursuit of God's kingdom. That means that we need to give ourselves, we need to pour ourselves out for the cause of God's kingdom. Enlarge my territory. Expand my sphere of influence. Let me live a life that makes a difference. Because I live in a Dallas Cowboy household. I need this. No. (laughs) I'm very familiar with a, a story that came out back in the 90s about a man named Dion Sanders. Any of you that watch sports probably know who Dion is. But Dion was one of those guys that when he came out of college, he was double drafted. He was drafted into pro football, but also drafted into pro baseball. Am I telling the truth, honey? And he played both. And he did well in both. Top of his career. Making millions of dollars. And one night, he tried to kill himself. Tried to drive his car off a cliff. Because his life didn't make a difference. His family was falling apart. He had the top of his career in two different separate careers. He had more money than was probably good for him. But what was important was his family, and his family was falling apart. And he actually tried to drive his car off a cliff. His car actually actually got caught, so he failed at suicide. I'm sure that that brings a whole different kind of thing in your, when you can't even succeed at that. Let me say this. His car got stuck and a police officer comes by. Police officer understands what he was just trying to do. Stops and talks to him. Talks to him about Jesus. Isn't that right? Police officer. A police officer talks to him about Jesus and tells him about the hope that's in Christ. It's not about money, guys. It's about influence. It's about making a difference with your life. It's about seeing your family whole. It's about seeing your children and your grandchildren and your children's children growing up to serve the Lord. I actually have a prophecy that I got when I was about 20 years old that said that I would see my children's 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 children. It means I'm going to be really old. But you know, you know what that promise is? That promise is God's covenantal blessing. See, what good is breakthrough if you lose the next generation? What good is breakthrough if you lose a nation? We can have nice little breakthroughs here in the church, but what good does it do if we're not touching nations and touching generations? We've got to understand that God is saying you need to take the limits off. The word enlarge in Hebrew means to bring in abundance, to increase, to bring up, to multiply, to make greater, to extend the dimensions. Listen, when we're talked about wanting more, listen to what it says in Joshua chapter 17. It says, if you'll go to the next screen, it says, then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit since we are such a great people inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? What they were saying is they were saying, we got only one portion. I want more. I want more. They wanted more influence, more responsibility, more opportunity to do and to be more for God. In the days of Malachi, there was a lot of destruction going on. And, and in the midst of that destruction, the Lord said this, when you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, truly the Lord's great power reaches far beyond our borders. Understand, church, we need to start reaching far beyond our borders. There is destruction going on all around us, and we have the answer because Jesus is the answer. And so God is saying that we need to begin to show the world how great the Lord's power is beyond the borders of the four walls of our church. If we really believe God heals, does he heal outside the church? 
we need to understand that when we cry out and we say, God, bless me, expand my territory, we're stepping up and we're saying, God, I want, to, I want you to use me like you've never used me before. When Bruce Wilkerson wrote this book on the prayer of Jabez, he explained the reluctance of believers that they have towards asking for greater influence for Christ in the world. It's all well and good to say, yes, God, expand my territory. But what we're really saying is, God, use me like you've never used me before. Let me take the limits off. And he, and he relayed this reluctance in two formulas, if you'll go to the next screen, kind of two mathematic equations. And so this is the, uh, the, uh, the first equation of how we ask God to expand our territory. We say, my abilities plus my experience plus my training plus my personality and my appearance and my past and the expectations of others equals my assigned territory. This is what he said. This is how we process Okay, but then this is how we end up praying. It says, Lord, use my abilities such as they are. Give me the experience and the training that I need. Make me a better person and don't let anyone find out what I'm really like inside. Help me be what everybody expects me to be so that I can have more influence. Let me say, this is not what Jabez is talking about. Let me give you a different, a different equation. If you'll go to the next screen. He says this is how we should be expecting. Our God special, this is what he says. Our God specializes in working through normal people. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a normal person? Okay. <laughs> Loaded question. All right. Our God specializes in working through normal people who believe in a super normal God. Super normal God who will do his work through them. That means God's math would look more like this. My willingness and my weakness plus God's will and supernatural power equal my expanded territory. Come on, how many want to see God expand your territory? How many want to see God start taking the limits off? How many want to start believing for, for more in this next season of time? Amen. I, I want to, um, can, can you play that video? Ah. Uh, we don't have the video. All right. So um, I was going to show you this video that was on CBN uh, just a couple weeks ago. And it's the video of a doctor that actually worked in an emergency room. And this man came in to the hospital with chest pains. He collapsed in the emergency room. They took him back. And before they could hardly do anything, he was completely coated, flatlined, dead. 45 minutes, yeah. 45 minutes he was dead. They called it, put the time of death, covered him up with a sheet. The doctor washed his hands, got dressed, was going out to his car, and the Holy Spirit said, stop and go in and pray for that man. And he's like, uh, Lord, the guy's dead. He's a doctor. This is not what he, he's, not like, he's not like somebody that gets to practice this stuff all the time. They practice medicine, but they're not practicing miracles. But he heard the voice of the Lord say, stop, go back, and pray for the guy. He heard the voice of God several times, and wouldn't, the voice of God would not let him go forward. This is just, this is a doctor. This is a professional. So he went back in there, pulled back the sheet. The nurse said, doctor, what are you doing? She'd already washed his body. She said, doctor, what are you doing? He said, I just, I just need to do this. He still had some, some of the leads hooked up to his body, and he kind of adjusted some things. And then he just put his hands on the man right on his chest. And when he did that, the machine went, bleep. Yeah, and so when the, when the heart went bleep like this, he told, you know, everybody's like, what is the doctor doing? And he said, we need to shock this man one more time. They're like, doctor, he's, he's been dead for 45 minutes. You called it. You called it yourself. He says, I know, but, but you need to do this just one more time. How many understand that raising somebody from the dead is a different operation of the Spirit than healing. Well, we don't pray for them to be raised from the dead because we prayed for them to be healed and they didn't get healed. Do you understand that raising the dead is actually a whole different category? So he said, you need to shock them one more time. Just do this for me. And they were like, doctor, come on. And he's like, just do it. Just, just do it for me. They put the paddles on him. They shocked him. His heart went beep, beep. <laughs> 
beep, 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 and he was raised from the dead after 45 minutes. Medically done documented miracles. You know what I love? I love that these things are not just showing up on CBN. They're showing up on other news channels as well, that God is actually raising people from the dead. And when we start praying, God, expand my territory, we need to understand God wants to use you, me, outside the borders of the four walls of the church. God wants to expand our spiritual influence and our territory. How many are willing to say, God, do that with me? Do that with me. Some, some of you won't raise your hand. Okay. God will, God will minister that to you. But listen, this is why we can do it. Because the next part of the prayer was that your hand will be with me. That your hand will be with me. Listen, when a, when a child is learning to ride a bike, you know what that child says? Daddy, don't let go. Daddy, don't let go. And you know what? We should be living our lives that way. To where we're out on the edge, pushing the boundaries of the supernatural and saying, Daddy, don't let go. Let me tell you, when we move in healing and we start releasing healing, let me tell you, there's nothing in my five senses that co-signs with what God has me do. When we prophesy to people, we are saying, the Lord says to you, and we don't know anything about that person. It can mess with your mind if you're thinking along normal lines. But when we make a transition and understand that we are filled with a supernatural, supernormal God, God takes our normal and makes it supernormal. He takes our natural and makes it supernatural because his hand is upon me. His hand is upon us. What's beautiful here is that in this prayer, the word for hand is the word for open hand. God's hand is open to us. It's open for help, support, encouragement. It's open with provision for whatever you need. If you need the gift of healing, here's the gift of healing. If you need the gift of discernment, here's the gift of discernment. If you need provision, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Whatever you need, he's saying, not just that his hand is upon me, but that his hand is open to me. How many think it's better that God's hand is open than that God's hand is closed? Some of us live our lives believing that God's hand is closed and we have to pry it open. God's hand is open to us. It is his nature and his desire to bless us. Listen, listen to this. If you'll go to the next screen. Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. Blessed to be a blessing. Think of this. That all the people of the earth may know that the hand of, may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever. The hand of God speaks of the Holy Spirit being upon us. Acts chapter 11, verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Come on, the hand of the Lord was with them. Look at how the apostles prayed in Acts chapter 4 when it seemed like all hell was breaking loose against them and they were already being imprisoned and people were tracking them down and it was a very hostile time. And they cried out to the Lord and they said, God, do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed that kind of prayer, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Listen, God's hand is open towards us so that our hand can be open towards others. Speak the word with boldness, but then, Lord, let us do that by stretching out your hand to heal, to do miracles, to do signs, to, be, to do wonders. Lord, let your hand, your open hand, be upon me. And finally, keep me from evil so that I won't cause pain. We live in a, a world today that's very convoluted. What is evil? We're living in a day where good is called evil and evil is called good. There are things that are celebrated in our culture that are a shame. 
before God. And the scripture, Jesus taught us to pray this way. He said, do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from evil. That's what Jabez was praying. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need to be praying the Lord's Prayer. We need to be not just as some ritualistic prayer, but these are the thoughts, these are the concepts that we need to be pressing into. Lord, lead me not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Deliver me from evil. Be excellent in what is good. Be innocent of evil. That's what the scripture says. It says, Romans 12 says, let your love be sincere. Let it be a real thing. Hate what is evil. Hate what is evil. Doesn't mean hate people, but it does say hate what is evil. Amplified says, loathe all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. Because I'll tell you, you can, you can pray the first part of this prayer, but if your life goes off serving wickedness, or evil, or compromise, or darkness, sin will rob you of the blessings of God every time. Sin causes pain. The wages, again, of sin is death. If the hand of the Lord's going to be upon us, let it be upon us to bring the fear of the Lord back. I want us to stand up together. And I want us to just lift up our hands. And we're just going to cry out for just a moment and just ask God to bless us. Lord, that you would bless us indeed. Father, we believe that it is your nature and it is your desire to bless us. So, Lord, I thank you, God, for stirring up a heart of expectancy in your people. Right now, some of you have been expecting God's blessing, but you've not been asking it. Father, we ask for your blessing, blessing on our family, blessing on our health, blessing on our finances, blessing on our future, blessing on our calling, on our ministry, blessing on our business, blessing on our destiny, open doors of opportunity. Bless us, God. Lord, that you would bless us indeed. Lord, it is the set time of favor. So, Lord, we sync up with heaven right now, God. And, Lord, we come into agreement with what heaven has already declared on earth as it is in heaven. You've declared favor. You've declared blessing. You've said, I want to bless you and make your name great so that I can make you a blessing. So, Lord, bless us. Bless our family. Bless our loved ones, Lord. Bless our children. Lord, expand our territory. Take off the limits. Give us revelation, Father God, of how we've been living in a limited space, Father God, so that we can begin to see ourselves dreaming bigger dreams, going beyond our borders, going beyond our expectations, going and stepping in to a supernatural realm of experience, Father God, that you have prepared for us. Expand our territory. Lord, let your hand be upon us. Lord, your open hand, your open hand of provision, your open hand, Father God, of support, of comfort, of hope, of encouragement. Your open hand, O oh God, that brings the fear of the Lord. The open hand that begins to bring in the harvest. The open hand, Father God, that we then stretch out to do signs, wonders, and miracles. To boldly preach your word and your gospel. Now just lay your hand on your heart. And Father, our heart's cry is that you would keep us from evil so that we would not cause pain. One translation says, so it will not cause me pain. Another translation says, so that it won't cause pain, so that I will not cause pain. Either one, Lord. Father, we repent of sin. We repent of compromise. We repent, Father God, of going along with culture and not being a counterculture. Lord, we don't need to be hateful. We don't need to be disrespectful. But, Father God, we do need to be able to say what your word says, Father, and hold a righteous standard of a counterculture. Lord, give us the heart and spirit like Jabez, Father God. Lord, you expanded his territory. Lord, there was a city named after him, 
a city of scribes, a city of scholars, Lord, because you took his pain and you turned it into promise. Now, Father, just turn it around inside of us. Turn it around inside of us. Some of you have settled into comfortability. You've settled into comfortability in your spiritual walk, and you've not been crying out and passionate to know Jesus more. You've not been crying out and passionate to say, Lord, let your kingdom come in me. Let your will be done in me. Let me be your hand extended. We've grown comfortable. We've grown casual. Lord, forgive us. Some of you have gone comfortable in a job when God wants to take you out of a job and put you in a position of influence instead. You might not even leave the, the same workplace, but your mentality will be different. You won't just be punching a clock and doing a job. You're there to make a difference. You're there to look for God's divine opportunities. Some of you need a new job. Some of you need promotion on the job that you have. God, expand my territory. Some of you need contracts and opportunity and favor. Come on, if that's you, lift up your hands. Father, I thank you, God, that your open hand is towards us, Father God, that you want to expand us, you want to bless us, you want to increase us. But, Father God, as we move into these places of increase, help us to understand we are there to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. Lord, we rejoice that we're coming into a new season, Father God. You're syncing us up with what heaven has decreed. You're syncing us up with heaven's power. You're syncing us up with heaven's strength. You're syncing us up with the words of encouragement and hope that come from heaven. And so, Lord, we bless you. And we thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking as.